Slam for Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. On this show today, we'll be reviewing the AEW Dynamite from Wednesday, November 18th, 2020, from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. I am your host, Lee. Without further ado, let's get down to it. This show did a very good rating. I think uh, 250,000 viewers overall the first hour, especially the match with Young Bucks and Top Flight. Uh, saw nearly a million viewers. Uh, NXT fell somewhere short of that. It seems impossible to properly predict the numbers of these two Wednesday night shows at this point, regardless of what's running up against them. Uh, last week we talked about how it was a bit of a lackluster show, considering it was coming off of a pay-per-view, uh, maybe expecting a bigger number, but ultimately you didn't have a lot of the uh, star power on that show coming off of the pay-per-view either. Uh, so this show being a doing a bigger number with the, the bigger stars therein, uh, you know, is nice. Uh, I have some issues with how many... So there, there's distractions uh, throughout this night of matches, uh, but in addition to that, there is a lot of uh, people being jumped during or after matches, not always leading to a disqualification. Very rarely in AEW do we get a disqualification, if ever, uh, but that doesn't mean they aren't doing uh, shenanigans, uh, so to speak. A, a little too much for my, my taste, and one really stood out as just a, well, I guess you couldn't find anywhere else in the show to put that. But let's talk about JR, who welcomes us. Uh, introduces Tony Schiavone and Excalibur as well. Tonight we will see a contract signing between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. First up, Young Bucks versus Top Flight. Quick video package of Top Flight. These lads are 19 and 21 years old. Dante Martin and Darius Martin, I believe Dante the younger of the two, uh, also sans facial hair. Great compilation of indie highlights, uh, which you would never see on WWE, where nothing exists outside of them. Uh, you are trying to build up these guys from from literal zero, like we learned their name last week, most of us, uh, to build them up to a match with the tag champions. Not for the belts or anything like that, but here's a really cool way to do it, especially with all the variety in this compilation, uh, seeing these guys work. And the idea that they're 19 and 21 now, these highlights we're watching have to be from either the last year or, like... Unreal. Uh, Tony plugs the Young Bucks book, Killing the Business, which is available now. Excalibur does mention this match was bumped from last week as Matt wasn't 100%. Top Flight, the coldest team in the game, uh, with some well-scouted offense to start the match. Young Bucks, the uh, the best team in the game, take over after that. Uh, Matt and Darius, legal man. Darius levels Matt with a clothesline, standing Spanish fly. Nick barely breaks it up. Tope Suicida, Tope Con Hero from Darius and Dante, respectively, to the Bucks on the outside. Near fall on Matt. After a Rana back in the ring, Matt fires up for a near fall uh, of his own on Dante. Darius breaks it up and gets tossed from the ring. Isolated BTE trigger to Dante after top flight. Spoils their buck, uh, bang for buck finisher. 1-2-3 and the Young Bucks win here. 12 minutes of great tag team action to start the show. It's insane how talented uh, some of these up-and-comers are. Um... I mean, compared to even MJF and Sammy, these guys are, are babies. It's it's insane. Uh, the Hybrid 2 appears, one of their rare Dynamite appearances. They appear to jump top flight after the match. The Bucks run them off and share some handshakes with Dante and Darius. Great debut on Dynamite for these guys. Uh, as far as I know, they are not signed or anything like that. This was, it was kind of a trial, but it seems like they have a program going into Dark or Dynamite next week against the Hybrid 2, which should be great. Uh, the Inner Circle slays Vegas, baby. We have part one. 
of the escapades of the Inner Circle, uh, now joined by Wardlow and MJF, and more, as uh, we come to see. Uh, we have the Inner Circle uh, near the famous Las Vegas sign, uh, just hanging out, walking in slow motion. What's funny about this is the sign's not on the strip or anything. It's literally on your way out of town, so you have to like take a bus here to take a picture in front of it and then walk slowly in front of it. Geographically funny joke, I guess you would say. Uh, in the casino playing blackjack, walking around a mostly empty Vegas strip, MGF shoots craps, hugs Santana, Sammy and Ortiz are not happy. In a strip club, at a bar, Jericho and MGF do their one-up uh, gimmick here, ordering stronger and stronger shots from the masked barkeep. In the end, MGF requesting moonshine and Jericho one-upping him from that, asking for two shots of Everclear, which is awful stuff. Uh, Jericho misnomers it here as 100 proof. I had to double check this because I've only ever known Everclear to be f far beyond that, like like 180 proof. And sure enough, they don't make a uh, 100 proof alcohol. Uh, for, for those at home who don't already know this, and this is kind of going into the realm of dolphins are mammals and not fish. Uh, but proof is double the alcohol content. So something that's 100 proof would be 50% alcohol, which is awful. Uh, already, but Everclear is only available in 120, 151, 189, and 190 US proof, aka 60, 75.5, 94.5, and 95% alcohol by volume. If you buy this thing in the liquor store, it has a fireproof cap on it, because if you lit a cigarette next to this thing, you, you could blow up your entire van. Uh, I've, I've definitely had the 95% proof, uh, sorry, the 100 Hey, hey, hey. 190 proof uh, Everclear here. Uh, in terms of taste, it's clear. Uh, it it kind of mixes in the way gin does, of course, being nearly, definitely twice as powerful. Uh, but if you mix this thing with some Hawaiian punch in the uh, in the right uh, ratio, it you know it'll get the job done. Conan appears like like the pro wrestler. Conan, uh, he got invited by Proud and Powerful. They all jump into his limo and get smoked up. Uh, the crew is rolling now, drunk high and having a good time. Wardlow and Hagar assault random strangers in the bar. And Elvis and a shirtless bearded man joins the crew and the saga is to be continued. So, you know, this is kind of built on the personalities of all these guys. Uh, how much you like this? Uh, I, they kept it quick. None of the gags went on for too long. Whether or not it was funny or not, uh, they the way this was edited together I thought was very well done. As is the second part later on. Up next, John Moxley. Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy after that. But before all of that, the history of revolution or something, JR says, uh, but this must have happened during the commercial break because I saw nothing of it. We get John Moxley in a brick-walled cube, talks about his dad picking him up from the police station in his youth. His dad says, son, we're the good guys. No matter what happens around you, we're the good guys. People have tried to lie, cheat, and steal the champion from me. He's fought monsters and technicians, Moxley says. Uh, talks about the toll on his body. Casually drops in the middle of this uh, that he has a pregnant wife at home. Congratulations to Renee Young and, uh, and John Moxley. Jonathan something, rather, is his real name. Uh, holding two titles. What do I do? I know what to do. We're the good guys. Tonight, when I walk to the ring, I'm going to sign the contract with no hesitation. Look Kenny in the eye and shake his hand and say he, uh, that Moxley, uh, is the best wrestler in the world. I am the AW champion. Uh, I am my dad's son. I am John goddamn Moxley. And that's never going to change. December 2nd, winter is coming. Moxley versus Omega. It's nothing like a timely reference to Game of Thrones here. Uh, Orange Cassie's music hits. Let's wrestle. Best friends accompany him. Uh, Miro and uh, the best man is on commentary for this one, although he doesn't talk much past the first five seconds. 
uh, super bad. Kip Sabian hits the ring with Penelope Ford. Add for AEW Games social media, and this match kicks off. Kip attempts a toe, a drop toe hold. Orange stops his momentum, tucks his hands into his pockets, and casually walks out of the hold. Cassidy, hands in pockets, drop kicks Kip to the mat. Tope Suicida by Orange tosses Kip into the ring. Penelope distracts Orange to give Tip time. Tip Kip time to recover. Uh, Kip with a quick upper hand near fall. Uh, we head to a world-famous restaurant-quality picture-in-picture, as JR puts it. Back from break, JR says, December 2nd will be the biggest night in AEW history. Cassidy gets a massive DDT. Kip kicks out at two. Cassidy uh, had a deep leg hook on uh, on that pin that looked... Cassidy always looks like he's trying when he tries. Uh, I think that's what I have to say about that. Cassidy to the top rope for a diving DDT. Kip counters. The men trade reversals. Miro getting excited on commentary here. Orange hits the diving DDT for another near fall. Brainbuster by Kip. Near falls on Orange. Kip uh, trips a swinging... Kip trips a singing, swinging neckbreaker. That... If that's... A tongue twister. Kip tries a swinging neckbreaker. Cor- uh, Orange... Man, with a, a cradle attempt, more reversals, Cassidy with the mouse trap and is able to pin Kip, one, two, three. Miro spins, sprints from the announce table and boots Cassidy's head off here. The best friends clear the ring. So that's, that's number two. So we're two matches in and both matches have had the finish and then someone getting, getting beat up afterwards. And if I'm not mistaken, that's every match this night. Uh, Tony Schiavone in the ring with a table. Winter is coming, he shouts, and it's only two weeks away. Uh, here in Winnipeg, winter's kind of already here, although uh, what, December 21st is the solstice. That's when the days start getting longer again. We're actively one day into the shortest days of the year here. Uh, it's only two weeks away, says Tony Schiavone. Kenny Omega gets a full entrance for the contract signing. He's wearing a Navy suit and sunglasses. Moxley's music hits, but he's nowhere to be found. We cut to backstage where Moxley is laid out with a bloody nose. Omega says, you're not avoiding it this time. I will be there, so so hopefully will you. Uh, things go quiet as we watch Omega sign the contract. A sloshed inner circle standing on the roof of a hotel welcome their newest member, Elvis. A drunk Elvis impersonator hiccups and says thank you very much. Uh, MJF does the Lone Wolf Blood Brother speech from Hangover. The group howls at the moon. And we cut to the following morning where Jericho is waking up holding a, a bottle of gin in his hand. And Elvis is next to him. Each of the boys wake up in a different room of their suite. Sammy's in the fountain. Uh, MGF has things written all over his face. Everyone is awfully hungover, except Ortiz, who is lifting weights. Uh, Sammy has a fistful of wedding rings and realizes he got married three times last night. Chickens are running around everywhere. Jericho and Santana, with a huge golden goblet, uh, open a door to find a crying, tattooed hornswoggle on the floor. We got a problem, yells Jericho. Back at the announce desk, Jericho has joined them. Still hungover, he says. Inner circle in action next week. Jericho and Hagar versus SCU, Kazarian, and Daniels. And that was the end of Jericho and commentary. He just came out to announce that, I guess. And say he had a sore head. Up next, Pac. First match in eight months. 1v1 against The Blade. Eddie Kingston on commentary trying to put over Blade, putting down the bastard Pac. Uh, Butcher and Bunny watch at ringside as Blade is beaten senseless by Pac. Shotgun dropkick off the top rope. Pac slides out of the ring and to get into Butcher's face. Blade blindsides Pac and takes control of the match. Blade's friends continue to distract the ref and uh, land illegal shots on Pac. We get a graphic here to remind us that Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa are fighting for the NWA Championship tonight. JR criticizes the bunny's Jezebel-like behavior. Eddie says, whoa, I saw nothing of the sort. A massive superplex on Blade manages to kick out at two. Bunny jumps on the apron for the distraction. Busher runs in. Pac super kicks him. 
Blade uh, grabs Pac's uh, trunks and tries to roll him up near fall. Pac hits a shooting star press into a uh, brutalizer submission. Blade taps immediately and Pac wins. After the match, Kingston laughs as Butcher and Blade double-team Pac. Eddie on the mic. Here we go again, beating somebody up after a match. Ray Phoenix appears and attacks Butcher and Blade. They get the advantage, however, and uh, Phoenix is beaten down. Penta appears with a chair. Kingston instructs him to strike Phoenix, but he refuses and clears the ring of Eddie's family. It looks like the Lucha Bros and Pac, the death triangle as it were, are back together. Uh, could a three-man tag championship be planned for the near future? Apparently, yes. Uh, backstage, uh, uh, so suddenly they just cut to backstage. That lady that mentioned Shaq last week is stomping the hell out of Brandy. And then Big Swole arrives to save her and we go to a commercial. Like, complete madness. People are just getting stomped backstage. John Moxley's laid out backstage. Brandy's laid out backstage. Anyone who finishes a match gets their ass kicked afterwards. We need uh, we need some proper security here in AEW. Uh, it's fine to do. You can do it twice a night. Cap the night off with it. Uh, but I think this was relied on a little too heavily this week on Dynamite is my criticism. Uh, glad to see the Death Triangle are back together as that was very short-lived. They kind of formed, had had one standing tall moment at the end of a Dynamite. And then Pac had to go back to the to the UK, I assume. Uh, and uh, and stay there for eight months during during lockdown here. I guess Pac is back for, uh, for the foreseeable future here. And they're... Drawing lines. Uh, so apparently on the Jericho Cruise last year, Tony Khan was talking about doing a three-man tag championship. You would have your AEW championship, you would have your TNT championship, you'd have the FTW championship, you'd have your tag championship, and finally you'd have a three-man tag championship. But think about it, how effortlessly they built these three-man stables up and how great of a tournament you could have here. You have Death Triangle, you have uh, Eddie Kingston and his family, you have SCU, you have Jurassic Express, you have the Inner Circle, who has who could have two teams in this fucking thing. Uh, I can go on and on. Team Taz, Tully's crew. Uh, there's so many three-man groups. Uh, this could be really, really cool, and I think a really good idea. Uh, especially because the tag team guys can kind of seamlessly go between the two belts. Like, if you're a two-tag two guy and you're not in that program, they can saddle another third guy with you and suddenly you could be having matches for that other championship. I, I think it's fine. However, I have one request. That they make the three-man tag belts one of those best friends bracelets. So, like, one guy has one strap, one guy has one strap, and then one guy has the medallion in the middle and they combine it. That's my request. It's a dumb request, so don't fulfill it. Uh, Serena Deeb, NWA Championship versus former NWA Champion uh, Thunder Rosa, who is now 4-1 and in AEW. I don't know what the story is with Thunder Rosa right now. When she dropped that belt, people thought for sure that WWE or something else was, was on the horizon for her. But here she is on Dynamite, losing again. This match is for the championship, apparently. Some excellent mat wrestling here. Rosa hits a massive dropkick on Deeb, who's dragged, uh, who's draped on the ropes, rather, for a near fall. Deeb with a neckbreaker, German suplex from Rosa. Top missile dropkick from Rosa sends Deeb all the way outside. Reba, or Rebel, however you want to call her, uh, appears to distract Britt Baker on the ramp, plants Rosa on the ramp with, like, a DDT or something, and rolls her back in the ring. Deeb back in the ring, unaware of this... Uh, Interference, uh, high stack powerbomb for a near fall. Both women with desperate moves in the center of the ring. Deeb looking for serenity lock. Rosa counters. Trade chops. Backfist from Rosa. Slam. Near fall. Deeb kicks out. Deeb hits a Styles Clash, I believe, and pins Rosa 1-2-3. Unaware of the attack by Britt Baker, Deeb retains the NWA Championship. After the math match, Rosa attacks Reba, who is still at ringside. Baker arrives to slug it out with Rosa, and the refs pull them apart. Again, another 
fight after the match, except in this case it was interference and Rosa looking for, for a little revenge versus the person who won the match just getting their ass kicked. John Silver shouting backstage talking about Anna Jay and her accolades mentions Mr. Brody demanding a title match for her Anna Jay versus Sheeta next week. John Silver is incredible. Also next week, Pac versus Phoenix. Uh, sorry, Pac and Phoenix versus Butcher and Blade. Will Hobbs will be in action. Jericho and Hagar versus SCU, Kazarian and Daniels. Tonight's main event: Team Taz with Taz versus Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen. Team Taz, of course, uh, currently made up by Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Taz jumps on commentary for this one, where I always enjoy him. Darby and Starks trade slaps with Starks being dropped. The bigger boys tagged in now. Cody leapfrogs Cage and hits a dropkick. Moonsault press, press near fall. Taz leaves commentary. Pissed as hell. Uh, he's at ringside to cheer on his boys whose performance is lacking thus far. I like this as a story. You know, again, it's kind of putting... You have four of the biggest guys in... I don't mean physically. Uh, in AW fighting in the ring and Taz is drawing attention to himself. Whatever. It made sense in the match. He, his boys are fucking up. He left commentary to go cheer them on and advise them from ringside. Time passes. Absolute Ricky Starks drops Cody with a spear, leaving Darby and Cage. Cage hits a powerbomb. Darby counters with a Yoshi tonic, which looked amazing. Near falls Ricky barely breaks this one up. Starks hot dogs with Darby teasing a crossroads. Uh, Cody appears and hits the crossroads on Starks. Instead, Brian Cage back on his feet overpowers both members of the good guys here. Darby's set on the top rope. Brian climbs up and slugs him. Darby with a backwards headbutt stuns Cage momentarily, but Cage gets back up on that uh, rope. Puts Darby on his shoulders and hits him with an avalanche drill claw. One, two, three. Brian Cage wins. Once again, things break down after the match. Cage and Stark stand tall over Cody and Darby. Will Hobbs appears with a steel chair again. He drives them back. He picks up the dropped FTW championship. Cody approaches him for a, hey, thanks, buddy. And gets the FTW belt to the face. It appears Hobbs has joined Team Taz after all. And here we have another three-man stable. Cool. Will Hobbs looks like a, like a wild man. I want to see that guy, uh, you know, as a heel. Sure, why not? Um, yeah. Him and Brian Cage as a, as a tag is is fun. Uh, just two massive dudes. And Brian Cage, fucking credit where credit's due. Like, for, for the type of body, the type of build that guy has, he's incredibly athletic. He does stuff well above and beyond the Call of Duty. Love that guy. Love everybody on the show. Don't like the finishes. The finishes are fine if you don't want to do a disqualification finish. But if you still want to have your cake and eat it too, spread it out a little bit. This was every match on this show had some kind of shenanigans at the end rather than winner stands tall, moving on to the next thing, which is usually how AEW goes. We throw back to the commentary booth. We throw to Alex Marvez or Dasha backstage with an interview. We keep the pace going without needing this stuff at the end of every match. It didn't need it. The hybrid two thing didn't need to happen. The Reba and Britt thing, obviously setting up that's something uh, uh, that's about to happen. And your big angle at the end obviously needs to happen. Uh, you know, you could also argue that the family breaking up and Death Triangle coming back together could be something you could save for the following night. Tease it, but don't do the angle where where pockets beat up at the end. I, I don't, I don't. Eh. Shouldn't Eddie trying be trying to woo Pac to his stable versus losing his his two arguably greatest? Listen, everybody knows how about me me and Reed feel about Butcher and Blade, Ray Phoenix and Penta. It was the main power behind Eddie's family here. Now it's Eddie Butcher and Blade. <sighs> All right. At Titsiceberg is us on Twitter. LeahTitsiceberg.com is my email address. If you want to leave a question, topic, anywhere you see this posted, please, by all means, do. Go check out Public Beta Podcast out this last Wednesday and expect it again this Wednesday. Me and Reed are finishing up our conversation on Pokemon. Uh, and uh, there's also, of course, all, all we've been playing. We, we talk quite a bit about Final Fantasy VII again. 
Uh, Reed tells us all about his uh, escapades with the PS5, and apparently he beat Demon Souls on Friday night. So, cakewalk for that guy. Uh, thanks as always for listening. That's the Sultans of. Slayer. Hey.